again and welcome back to the Panty Personals. And let me just say first that we are delighted to see all our new listeners across the globe. And indeed, if you are new to this podcast and curious, I'm Panty Bliss, accidental activist, sexy clown and Queen of Ireland. We started the Personals back in May when we were still very much in a pandemic lockdown. And now as we make our way through our second season, it's lovely to be able to actually go back out and see some of our guests live in real actual gigs these days. And even, on occasion, get up close for the owl selfie. And with me today is a gorgeous singer and songwriter with an angelic voice who loves singing live. It's Sive. And that is spelled S-I-V-E, like the John B. Keane play. Although her parents did give her the full S-A-D-H-B-H version. Someone else has described Sive's vibe as a dream folk. And that's not a bad attempt at encapsulating her ethereal, almost magical sound. But beyond her beautiful songcraft, Sive is interested in changing lives and minds with music. She's a community musician, sings to the isolated and the alone, leads choirs, and while the rest of us were resorting to box sets and ice creams in lockdown, she co-founded a social enterprise called Embrace Music. And since this is audio, I'll also have to point out that she has gorgeous red hair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is why, Sive, I decided to wear red hair yes. for you today. Yes. <laughs> we match. Sive, I love your sound and uh, you know, Dream Folk isn't a bad description of it, but it is funny that it was all Nirvana and Pearl Jam that got yes. you into music in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of a funny one. I never know how to describe my music really, like, because I don't come from a folk background. And I think it's maybe gotten a bit more folky as I've gone on. But like, yeah. definitely, say my first album, which I took off Spotify in the last couple of years, <laughs> was there was a lot more rockiness on it. There was, well, there's still a good bit of electric guitar on my music now, but... um. But it was sort of grunge rock that was your first love. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, when I was younger now, it was, you know, all the pop hits singing along to the Spice Girls. And well, I still do that. But um, <laughs> then I got more into like, you know, my parents used to listen to classic rock and stuff. And mm. then then I made friends with people who had older brothers and who had yeah. cool taste in music and discovered the grunge era. <laughs> so you're an only child. I am, yeah. And you grew up in... Nace, County Kildare, and I was kind of gently slagging you um, before we started, because to me, Nace is, it's almost archetypally a non-place. You know, I think to a lot of people, it's a sign on the motorway. And it is an acknowledgement that you're either approaching Dublin or you're leaving Dublin. Um, and, And so whenever I meet somebody who says they're from Nace, I just find it impossible to uh, to even picture what Nace actually looks like. Um, so so describe Nace to me, which is Ugh. such a weird thing to be asking someone to do. Come on, all the Panty Bliss podcast and talk about <laughs> Nace. <laughs> you know, it's grand, <laughs> but it's it's quite a big town now. I suppose it is kind of a commuter area, but it's grown a lot. There's loads of coffee shops and charity shops, so I'm happy out. Um, my dad was only talking about it the other day, like before they bought their house in Nace. He just thought of Nace as a place that you just couldn't get out of because it wasn't bypassed and he'd be trying to hitchhike home to Tipperary at the weekend. And then your parents were both teachers. I mean, you sort of mentioned that, you know, there wasn't folk in your in your background. I mean, are they musical? Um, they loved music. 
they don't play music. Although I have to say that my great grandfather played the bagpipes because my grandmother, God rest her, got very annoyed at me once because I said, no, there was no musicians in my family. And she said, your great grandfather played in the the local band. So there was a musician there somewhere. But just, no, they're just really into music. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a natural idea for you to go into music. I suppose not. But I did start very early at the same time. Mm. But I don't know. I think... As I got older, I just realized that I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. So music then became the main force when you went to Ballyfermot College. Is that right? Yeah. I think when I was about 15 or 16, I had this guitar teacher and he just printed off this piece of paper with like Ballyfermot Rock School and like a little thing on it or description. And I was like, that's what I need to do. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. Yes, yeah, so I was quite young. I think I was 17 when I finished school and then I went there. It was only a two year course. And um, it was really good for me at the time because there was like a great variety of people on the course. But it was good to like mix with different people and just get into loads of bands. And yeah, yeah. well, you know, I had a somewhat similar experience. I went to art college and it just introduced me to people who were interested in the same things that I was. Yeah. I learned as much from the other students as I did from any tutor, really. And Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, if I try and picture what Ballyfermot Rock School is like, <laughs> you know, of course I'm picturing sort of a combination of the school from fame and... Jack Black? Yeah, yeah, well, well, no, I my, <laughs> no. My, my period would be fame rather yeah. than the School of Rock yeah. with Jack Black. Um, is that what it's like to go to someplace like that? Are you all jumping up on the table in the canteen and building no. out a song? <laughs> no, it's not really. I mean, I guess it probably could be like that. It probably depends on the other students in your year. There was a few people on my course when I look back that were like larger than life, always mm. just dancing and singing. But it was pretty laid back, really, yeah. for the most part. And then you ended up going to like a band camp in the Netherlands. Germany, actually. Oh. Yeah, just for a week. Uh, I did go on an exchange to the Netherlands after that. But yeah, with literally band camp, that's what they called it in Germany, where there was like students from Belly Fermit and a college in Holland and Germany and hungry I think mm. it was really scary actually because um you went as a songwriter or as a bass player or a guitarist or a drummer and then basically on the first day all the people who went as a songwriter have to get up and perform and all the other students sit and write who they want to play with and so like some people have nobody oh no <laughs> it was really really scary it was just oh, really no. strange so wait a second and did you get picked <laughs> I actually did which was a shock to me and all of my tutors <laughs> and so, so so at this place you just form bands and and just then have a go jam for the week yeah and is that where you f- then start started to join bands and all that because you did get into a few bands didn't you yeah I had been playing in bands in college and in school, mostly just playing guitar and bass and things. And then when I went to this band camp <laughs> in Hamelberg, it was, I was like, you know, feck it, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. But like, I was really just nervous about getting on stage and singing my own songs. So it was like one of those touch and go kind of things. <laughs> my couple of attempts in first year of college at singing my own songs were pretty disastrous. <laughs> um, so you were writing your own songs yeah, then? yeah. Like, so that is something you started out from the beginning. You wanted to write your own songs or that's something that came slowly? Yeah, I think after I started playing guitar, I started just sort of 
throwing songs together and then I kind of got into a band in school and one of the other girls was writing her own songs and you know we had a tape recorder and we'd like record our songs onto tapes and give them to each other and then I was like oh yeah I like doing this I'll keep doing this and I'm interested that you sort of said that in the beginning you were like playing guitar or bass in these bands you mean you weren't singing no in fact, when I think back, or I played in this band in school and um, the girl who was the lead singer used to try and get me to do backing vocals and like, I would literally <laughs> pretend my microphone wasn't working. <laughs> She'd be looking over at me and I'd be going, I don't know, it's, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly started singing out of necessity because I just realised I wanted to sing my own songs. <laughs> um, but your your voice is very distinctive and lovely. Um, Thank you. So what, you weren't aware of that? When you were younger or it was just a confidence issue? A bit of both. It probably was a confidence issue. I probably knew somewhere deep down that I could <laughs> if I tried. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was probably just mostly confidence. Mm. I knew, I, I pretended I didn't want to for a long time, but I think I knew I did. You know. <laughs> um, well, uh, we should we should actually hear your voice, I guess, in a second. But I just wanted to go back on one thing. You 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 glossed over there that you you took your first album down off Spotify. I did. So yeah, and I, I it was. I, I'm still really proud of it. It's still a moment in time. But I kind of realized if people look me up, that's not what I want them to find yeah. first you know so I still it's still sneakily up on Bandcamp but I just realised if people stumble upon my Spotify I want to make sure they're hearing something that represents me even though I'll always have a special yeah. place in my heart for the first album You mean because because that first album doesn't represent where you are now? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's quite raw. It basically just does. If people listen to it now, they don't think they'd get a sense of what I actually do. Mm. Well, let's um, this seems like a very perfect opportunity then <laughs> uh, to hear what you do sound like now. So this is actually your latest release you're going to do for yes. first, is it? So tell us a little bit about it. This is called Think Before I Speak. And um, <laughs> it's kind of about thinking too much overthinking and then not speaking but then it's also about the flip side of that when you just feel like you have to say something so you blurt it out I was kind of thinking about especially the online world at the time I was just thinking everything is so fast so like boom 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 and you just have to have an opinion about everything straight yeah. away and everyone's an expert about everything straight away and it just gets really overwhelming sometimes and sometimes I just want to retreat and like think mm -hmm. about what I think yeah. <laughs> you know so that's that's what this is about. Let's hear it. <laughs> I think before I speak sometimes And then I think so much that I don't speak at all I look before I jump sometimes just look and look and look and look Just look, don't jump Just keep looking, looking, looking But 
know you'll jump down my throat if I don't pretend to have the answers. Is it any wonder at all? Wonder at all? We just shut. I speak before I think sometimes And then I wonder why I ever speak at all It all comes crashing out sometimes Till there are shards everywhere They get in knots in the air Oh, I've been picking apart pieces Of a shell I thought I needed I just want to blow it up But each time I carve a hole in it You kick it and it hurts and I get scared And don't jump out Peep over the edges But don't jump out Just keep looking, looking, looking But I don't is it any wonder that I don't want to play this game? Mm, I don't want to play this game Cause I know you'll jump down my throat If I don't pretend to have the answers Is it any wonder at all? Wonder Gorgeous. Thank you. Really lovely. It's funny, you said something there about um, social media and feeling like you need to be an expert in everything and have an opinion and everything. Because, you know, I'm 52. And when I was young, musicians did not have social media. And they yeah. it was very managed what you learned about them, what they said. You know, there was none of that pressure. Yeah. Is that something you... I mean, I, I get the impression you're not that comfortable with it. Yeah, like... I mean, I don't mind social media, but well, I do think about that sometimes, like even when I was growing up, like it was enough that you heard their songs and you heard yeah. their lyrics and you related in that way. And you didn't also need to know what they thought about everything and what they were doing every day. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I do think, God, I wish I was born in a different era. But then at the same time, like social media is why people can just do it independently now, you know, and there's good and bad. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I... I I guess it's it's an it's now another skill yeah. that to be a musician you have to have nowadays. You have to be your kind of your own marketing guru. Yeah. It's a pressure. Yeah. And like even just the practical side of social media, like even like you know, there's Twitter and there's Instagram, and there's Facebook. And like whenever you're releasing something, you have to have a certain amount of pictures and video clips and all different shapes to share. And like it's really time consuming yeah. that you're like, cheapers, how many songs would I have written in the time yeah. it takes me to make all that extra stuff? And also, I don't know, there's something about um, 
I think sometimes you lose some of the mystique. Like, yeah. I don't like the fact that Madonna has an Instagram. I didn't actually know she did. I suppose it makes sense that she does, but I can she imagine does, and her. She's always on it and like right, we see her yeah. in her bathroom and all this stuff. And I, I, I don't know. I, I want my yeah. stars to be. Yeah, I want them to be presented to me in a fake perfect way. I don't really want it. Yeah, to or, see their eyebrow plucking or yeah. whatever, you know. But yeah, someone like Madonna, you you just you just imagine she's just this other superhuman thing that you don't want to see her bathroom or whatever. I guess some people do. <laughs> well, it turns out everybody wants to see her bathroom, yeah. and you know, and I've looked at her bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She caused quite a sensation when she put up a picture that had pseudo cream in the. Oh wow! Yes, there you go. She yes. definitely is human. So, I, bring me back to Nace here for a second because. Um, <laughs> You're you're a proud uh, nice woman from the community, and don't know about that, but yeah. Um, and then you um you you are a community musician. Now, yeah. now, well, well, explain that generally first for people who might not know. I mean, yeah, it is a very broad term, yeah. but just somebody that brings music into places where they might not always be, and brings them brings it to people that might not always have it or not have it in a, like a way that they get to participate in it. Yeah. You know? And how did you get into it? Because you, you, you have a master's in community music. Community yeah. music. Like such that, a thing. thing. You see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I came to it. I did a very short training course. So not music therapy, but just music participatory music making in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I just found out about the community music masters, went and did it. And then it was kind of just fortuitous I um while I was on the masters actually we had to do like a big business plan around like a dream project that we might have so I was like okay I would set up a choir in the community center in Nace and it would welcome people living with dementia and then when I finished college I moved back to Kildare College was College in Limerick. Was in Limerick. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't really know what I'll do now. And when I moved home, I discovered that such a choir had been set up in the place where I imagined it while I was doing the Masters. So I just went along to that and started volunteering and just ended up doing loads more work with them and then just grew from there. Well, ages ago, we had um, Gráinne Hopeman, who's ah, a class yes. musician, and yeah. she brings music into kids. Yes. Uh, care settings, hospitals and that. She was the person herself and another guy, Liam Merriman, who I did my yeah. first three day little training thing with that kind of okay. steered me on a new oh, life path. Yeah. Oh, that's fun for me to hear that now. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they were on oh, a good few years ago now, yeah. um, but they left an impact on us. So, so, so like you're working essentially mostly with older people yeah um and mostly people who are living with dementia to some degree yeah generally everything i do would be inclusive of that okay so there's two kind of dementia friendly choirs in kildare and with when they set up the first one i was still in college but they were very much like we want this to be a dementia specific choir and then what they learned was it was actually really lovely if it was more open and if it was more yeah, okay, people living with dementia, but also carers and also just older people that were living on their own. Yep. So it, we kind of found it was most beneficial if it was like a mix of people. Okay, and so just to be clear now, so the, these are all people that are actually in the choir. Yes. So the people yeah. with dementia are in the choir. Yes, and okay. along with, you know, a whole host of people. So how does it work exactly? Like, well, I assume things had to change during the pandemic. So yeah. in a non-pandemic world, <laughs> originally, you know, 
you're going into some setting, they're all coming to you. How does they it work? They come to us. Yeah, yeah. So we hire a space in a community centre and they like some people come independently or their carers bring them. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had some nursing homes who would bring a couple of residents every week. And yeah, part of it is rather than doing something in the nursing home, that it would be like you go to this every week, you know, mm. and it's this uplifting thing. Obviously, in the beginning, it was very let's all have a sing song and sing songs we all know. Yeah. And, you know, the choirs now are like five years old, maybe six years old, the first one. And like, it's amazing when you get people in a room together every week for that amount of time, just how much you can do and how much you can challenge assumptions as well. I think there's a lot of assumptions about like, like reminiscence is great, right? But not everything has to be reminiscence. Actually, yeah. we've like done new material as well. And like, yeah, Yeah, just really, it's been lovely to see how it has grown over the years. Yes, reminiscence is great and used to have is great. But my lazy assumption is that somebody living with dementia deals better with things, you know, that they knew in the past or whatever. Yeah, which is true in that, um, like, generally speaking, when someone has dementia, like, just the part of their brain that stores music often remains intact. So that's why mm. they'll be talking to someone and they mightn't remember your name or they might struggle to hold a conversation and then you might start singing a song and suddenly they'll know all the words. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose that's why it's great to have a mixture of people who can carry each other along because we've definitely taught new songs and not all, but a lot of the people who are living with dementia over time have really responded to that. And mm-hmm. someone could have a good week and a bad week. Yeah. Like one week they might re- um, recognise it and remember it. Another week it might yeah. be more difficult yeah, but um, and do you see the impact it it has the the choir and the music? Yeah, definitely. And like, I always try not to romanticize or to over overblow what we're doing because mm-hmm. you know we see people for two hours a week, and for some people it's the highlight of their week. So I'm not, we're not making any assumptions that we're like changing their lives. Yeah. We don't see what it's like when they go home, but like we would like take feedback a lot, you know, and um, people would say that like the impact of it would last the rest of the day and maybe the next day just in terms of lifting mood and in some cases again like you can't speak for everyone not all cases but in some cases just people generally being more responsive um which is brilliant and then the pandemic arrives and i assume you can no longer bring people out of care homes and into communities and or whatever it is (laughs) so what was the impact of that it was really difficult. So we very quickly learned that 
the whole taking rehearsals onto Zoom thing wasn't going to work for us because a lot of people couldn't access Zoom and if they were on their own you couldn't just be going into their house and like setting it up for them. So the only way a choir rehearsal works on Zoom is if basically everybody's on mute and they can just hear like the director and then be singing along themselves. So that's just not... Yeah. Mm, that's not for our choir. Well, and also um, because your choir is about yeah. the social engagement yes, and all of that yeah, too. Yeah. And you just don't get that on Zoom. No, but what we did was we just, we set up like a lot of, now a lot of people did make an effort to get um, on board with like WhatsApp mm-hmm. and even Facebook. So we were able to kind of set up WhatsApp groups and then we made like kind of themed YouTube playlists every week that we'd put in there. But like, what was interesting was, like, I feel that a lot of friendships have really, really strengthened. And especially because, in you know, in choir, everyone sits in the same place every week. I feel like people have gotten to know each other better now. You know, the, the people at the other side of the room. <laughs> and everyone, like, yeah, our WhatsApp groups were just really, like, you know, lovely. Everyone was, like, sharing pictures of what was growing in their garden and yeah. talking about their, their walk where they saw a blackbird or whatever. And, like, I kind of feel like... Obviously, I just can't wait for it to be over and to get back in the room. But I do feel like we ha- like we've stronger friendships because of it, mm, which that's is interesting. silver lining. <laughs> you know, the bonds of friendship were strengthened in the online space yeah. more than they were in the in the real space. I think it was just that everyone was going through this crazy thing. Yeah. And they couldn't be together. And the online space facilitated them to just talk about it. <laughs> you know, mm. I think... People have just become more open to talking about how they're feeling. I think that is definitely true. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so at the moment, you know, we are slowly emerging from restrictions and all of that. But in your, in this particular case, you know, we're talking about elderly, vulnerable. Like, is there... A sign of being able to get back in a room together soon or no? I mean, yes. Technically speaking, now we'll be taking it slowly. (laughs) You know, one of our choirs has like 50 people in it. We're not going to throw 50 people in the room and have them singing and like, you know, I mean, unfortunately, singing has a bad rap as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're like spitting. But I'm hopeful that real things will be happening for the groups of people that I work with, even if it's not what it was before. Mm. I do want to get to another song, but I just want to, because you're, you keep bringing things up for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, because one of the big things during the pandemic and all the lockdowns and the extended lockdowns and it was around loneliness. Yeah. Uh, people weren't able to get out and see friends and family the way they were. Lots of people found themselves sort of stuck at home, alone, isolated. And with a lot of the kind of people that you are working with in in your choirs, um, they were even told to, you know, cocoon, you know, to stay at home on their own and not interact with people. And, And of course, then care homes themselves became, well, you know, hotspots, you know, in, in, in a way, dangerous places, you yeah. could go as far as to say. So that's a lot to deal with and for the people that you're actually working with in these choirs. Yeah, I think there, there'll be a lot of like wounds to heal from like for every age group for different reasons. But for that age group, like, of, I, I, of course, cocooning and all that stuff was for safety, but just being told like, no, you have to keep staying at home now. 
just because somebody gets older doesn't mean they don't have and need their vibrant social life. Yeah. And then I think also like the first few months of the pandemic were definitely like a little sign of how undervalued like nursing homes are. Like, sure, they couldn't even get like PPE gear for them yeah. for the first while. It was just, but yeah, it was kind of awful. Mm. And, and even in my, my, my own experience, my both my parents are, are very elderly now. I, I really saw a, a, a big and fast decline in, in my dad's physicality mm. um, over lockdown. Now, he is very elderly, so maybe that was all about to happen anyway. But it felt very accelerated by yeah, yeah. the sort of cocooning. You know, you can't walk up to mass. You know, you can't, you know, yeah. um, I certainly blame the pandemic for quite, you know, I no think deterioration. Oh, so. yeah, I think it definitely sped things up for some people. Like I definitely would have had a couple of experiences. Like I do music up in, there's like a Care of the Asian Ace as well. And there's a few people there who would have dementia. And I know, I know them really well, who I saw over the pandemic and didn't have a clue who I was. And now I can't say that that definitely wouldn't have happened. But at the same time, it mm. just felt like, it, it, you know, it happened very fast considering yeah. where they were the last time I saw them to not know mm. who I was, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe if they saw me in context again, they would. So, you know. Yeah. Maybe it, when yeah. things get back, it will improve It's certainly again. not a nice way to end up spending your later years yeah the pandemic really has a lot to answer for absolutely and i think you know even though the older population would have been considered more vulnerable like i definitely see it in the people that i work with there's just a hunger to just you know every time we send a message saying this is what we're thinking of doing 100 percent of people are like i'm there i'm there whatever you're doing i'm there you know because yeah you know some people are going like i don't know how long i have left i want to get out and enjoy my life do you know mm, yeah like you can't just tell people to stay at home and mm. it's not, and it'll just, just be grand. <laughs> Have you always liked older people? Well, <laughs> it's funny because people often assume I got into this thing because of like, it was in my family or something. But genuinely, it was just like, I was just plodding away, doing my own music, feeling kind of unfulfilled. And then I just did this three day training course, which was, um, I know like Grania does a lot of work with young people, but this particular course was geriatric. It was in mm -hmm. a nursing home in the hospital in Navin. And like, I was like, oh, I really get on with older people. Obviously, that's a generalization. <laughs> I don't get on with every older person. But generally speaking, I was like, I feel quite good about this. <laughs> um, well, let's hear some of the music that you're bringing to older people like, well, like yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing as well. Like you're trying to find the term... I don't want to say old people because that sounds you know yes. offensive but then sometimes you say I work with older people and that's, you know different people have a different definition of older people so sometimes you say that and also older people like, well, older, person. older person sounds like I, it's a cop-out way of saying yeah. old person like you know <laughs> yeah I still haven't come to hit the sweet spot of how to describe <laughs> yeah because all of those other terminology are so you know like golden years and all that stuff yeah it's just it's nearly worse <laughs> yeah, <think>. yeah. <laughs> well you can call me ancient uh, oh sure you're young <laughs> um tell me what you're going to do for us now um so this song is called Tenlock. Tenlock. which is an irish word and i am not a gael goer unfortunately but um it's another word for chaluk which means heart and i kind of i like playing it at this time of the year because it's kind of about the changing of seasons in in life. Elaine Tin Tom or the Hinton Fane. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Home is where the heart is, essentially. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay. 
Very lovely. Um, for for a non Gaelgore, you're slipping in and out of in you know, between English and Irish very comfortably there. I do. I love Irish. Um, yeah, and when I figure out what I need to say, I can say it quite convincingly. But then if somebody tries to <laughs> respond to it, then I get found out. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Talk to me then about the embrace music thing because um. Clearly, that grew out of the work you were already doing and then the pandemic. Yeah. So uh, explain all that to me. Yeah. So it was actually my friend Sharon, um, who I work with on the choirs. She kind of um, she went through the Social Entrepreneurs Academy a couple of years ago and she had this idea for Embrace Music. Um, and we had talked about it, but it just never came to fruition. We were just busy doing other things. And then basically at the start of the pandemic, um, I was like, what am I going to do? I need to do, I need to, you know, I need to be useful. What, what can I do? So I just set up these Facebook live streams um, and like advertise them to nursing homes and carers all across the country. Yeah. Because obviously the idea of 
older people and nursing homes tuning into Facebook. It was like, is this a stupid idea? Is this going to work? I don't know. And then it kind of took off. So we thought this could be a nice launch pad to just finally start Embrace Music, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of, we kind of, you know, we just started it. We didn't quite know what we were doing. <laughs> so, so how does it work exactly? We just set up a Facebook page and we would stream from that every Friday morning. But we had just basically advertised it to like loads of nursing homes and just everywhere we could yeah. <laughs> across the country. So, yeah, we kind of... We were surprised by the uptake. Mm. Um, it was really, we ended up keeping it going. Like we started it at the end of March 2020 and we ended up keeping it going until like April this year because it was just, yeah. People and and the, the impetus was really to sort of combat loneliness or? Yeah. And also like combat loneliness. I initially started it because I was thinking of our nursing home residents who come to choir and the people in the care of the age and people who love music who wouldn't have it anymore. And then I just thought, ah, sure, if I'm doing it, I might as well throw the word out there. (laughs) And then also, it was also important to us to like have it at the same time of the same day every week, because I think when people's routines got taken away from them, it was really hard as well. Like we would have a couple of like carers in the choir who like have worked so hard to have a routine for their partner or, you know, particularly if they're if they're living with dementia. And it makes such a difference. Like, OK, on a Tuesday you go here and you see these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just that you knew that at least at a certain time in the week that was going to happen in that place. <laughs> yeah. Even if it was just in your house. <laughs> <laughs> and then... So it was through Embrace Music that you then did this project with the hospice. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, murmurations. Murmurations, we called it. Yeah. So at the start of this year, the Irish Hospice Foundation just, I think they got money from, I think it was Creative <laughs> Ireland, and they put a call out for, they called them seed grants. And it was just a call out to artists to create something that responded to the last year and people's experience. And obviously, because it was the Hospice Foundation with like some sort of emphasis on grief and loss and just mm. everything people had gone through. So we just put in an application to do a song cycle, um, like drawing just on all the conversations that we'd had in the last year. So, yeah, we started putting these songs together and we had so much material to draw from, like between our WhatsApp groups and just like the comments sections on our on our Facebook live streams, like people just say the most poetic things, you know. <laughs> so we ended up having the first piece in it was like kind of a lament. Out among the daffodils this morning I looked upon the garden as my blessing I let a stream run down my face The sadness flood my every vein and wash And then the second piece was an instrumental piece And then the third one was more of an uplifting Like we kind of wrote it with community choirs in mind Which we'd hopefully be able to sing with our own choirs sometime soon-ish. Yeah, because you are planning to try and do that with the choirs. Yeah, like uh, that's the plan. <laughs> because our choirs have been singing together for a few years now, we've kind of, you know, we've identified the people that are good at harmony and, you know, so it is like a three-part harmony thing.
so we'll just we'll just have to see when we get back together you know when we get our choirs back together we don't want to be like right learn this harmony do you, you know we want it to be a bit more easy going so we'll see uh, we'll see what shape we're in when we come back <laughs> <laughs> because it is a song cycle but the last part of it is is very hopeful We wanted to, like, it was kind of a tricky one because we, we wanted it to be, like, not super dark and yep. depressing, but we also wanted to acknowledge, we didn't want it to be, like, three songs of, yay, everything's going to be fine, because that's just not been people's yep. reality. So that's why we thought, right, we'll we'll end with, with something hopeful, but we, we, we'll, have, we'll have our lament in there just to acknowledge <laughs> the hard times yeah. that everyone's been through. Well, the last thing, I guess, that I m- do want to bring up with you is um you know I I'm I don't want to describe you as an environmentalist per se, but 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 you're very well as everybody your age should be concerned. Um, yes, it's quite concerning. Yeah, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I suppose like I've always ever since I was young just been someone that really loved nature and took yep. a lot of solace in nature and was never happier than if I was in the middle of a forest or floating in the sea. <laughs> so as I got older, like when I was growing up, there was not really, I, I do remember the term global warming being mm. bandied, which sounds quite soft and harmless, really, yeah. isn't it? Global warming. And, you know, I remember in school, like sometimes you'd have like, you know, don't use deodorants with stuff, whatever that stuff was in it. Yeah. And try to have showers instead of baths and don't use plastic bags. And that was kind of it. So you weren't mm. really aware of like... <laughs> the way things were going and then when I got older and obviously the last few years it's been very in the mainstream I just you know it kind of made sense that this thing that had been such a comfort to me all my life (laughs) would need to be protected and preserved so yeah no I'm absolutely not an environmentalist or a climate scientist or or you know able to debate on these things but it's just something in my own journey that I I'm trying to figure out how to bring it into my music more. Mm. You know, I released a single a couple of years ago called Oh Mother, which was kind of a personal apology to the earth. <laughs> and then on on Culture Night as well this year, I did a little event with um, Climate Ambassador, who are this great organisation, if anybody's interested. They have a programme you can train to be like a climate ambassador, with yeah. them, as the name would suggest. I think they're taking applications... And you are a climate ambassador? I'm not. I'm thinking I might apply. But I just, I kind of discovered them online and they had this event coming up, um, which was like the, you know, arts, the arts and climate change, like how to use the arts to communicate climate change. And it just said, DM us for details. So I DM'd them to get the link. And then your man, obviously, Gary Tyrrell is his name, he's a lovely guy, looked at my profile and then messaged me back and said, how interested are you in this stuff? <laughs> and I said, well, very interested, actually. So I think I'm still um, still trying to figure out how to. Because I think, like, we can all make an effort to make changes in our own daily life, but so many of the changes that need to be made are massive and, like, yes. out of our control that yep. 
for me, it's like I've been afraid to use my voice because I'm not an expert. Mm. But actually, we need everyone that's not an expert yeah. to be using their voice. So I think I'm trying to figure out how to use my voice in my own way at the moment. Yes, because it is scary. And the thing that I always sort of compare to slightly is, um, you know, I think older people don't appreciate what it must be like to be a very you know young person now growing up with the knowledge that this could all you know is on it's heading for absolute disaster yeah, yeah. and it is fine for the older person because they're not going to be here in 50 years time um, but younger people are and it is a funny thing to live with that hanging over everything because everything you think about in your future it there's this question mark yeah. above it and and what i do sometimes compare it to is you know, I was in school in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And at that time, the big giant fear was nuclear Armageddon. Yeah. And we, you know, there was those programs on TV. Uh, there was things about you know getting under your desk in school if yeah. Armageddon should happen. And it was a sort of a real scare at the time. You know, there, there was a TV miniseries that absolutely shook us all, you know, about it and um, and it was a real actual fear that people had and people built you know nuclear bunkers in their back gardens and, and yes. so on and yet in comparison to the climate catastrophe that you know is slowly unfolding it was much more avoidable yeah. all we had to do was not fire nuclear bombs at each yes. other um, yeah. whereas this is actually much more difficult to stop so if you think about how terrified we were in the 70s and 80s about nuclear Armageddon and compare it to this, actually nuclear Armageddon was easy to fix. Yeah, I like, yeah, like kids are growing up in school now and they are aware of all this and that's massive, you know, like climate yeah. anxiety is a very real thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's huge and it's not, I don't know to say it's not their fault because actually it's not the average person's fault either. Yeah. I think that's where the, the problem comes in as people get defensive, like, people who grew up in different generations obviously in some ways the the individual if you look at the older generation the individual did a lot less harm they didn't drive as much they didn't yeah. create as much waste um yeah. so it's not like anybody's fault we all live in the world we were born into and we mm. do a lot of the time up until the last few years we haven't necessarily comprehended the consequences of the way that we live so yeah but yeah we just need to get out of thinking that it's it's anybody's fault apart from the people who are Hugely powerful and yeah, who, yeah, who like can make these, the big changes yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to make. Yeah, but yeah, as individuals, like we can't. I think it must be very anxiety-inducing to be a you know a thirteen-year-old now with yeah. that is hanging over. I mean, it casts a shadow on every thirteen-year-old's future. Yeah, yeah, like. I'm not going to lot now. In fairness, I'm not at a point in my life where I'm considering having children, but it does make me go. I don't know if I would want to have a child because how could I tell them not to be anxious about this? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's massive. Um, but I think, yeah, we all need hope, but like sensible hope, active hope. <laughs> you, need to, you need to feel hope, I think, in order to do anything. Otherwise, you just get paralyzed. Yeah. And it's very easy to get paralyzed when you do feel like the power is not in your hands. Mm. Which is why, I suppose that comes back to what I was saying, was like, I can make all these changes in my daily life, but like we have to actually use our voices. Yeah. Because that's the most important thing about getting bigger changes to happen. Like if everybody yeah. is angry, then, then something's going to have to change. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do find it amusing when people get so angry about 
you know, the climate rebellion people or something, extinction rebellion people, you know, stopping traffic in, in yeah, the middle yeah. of London. I'm like, you're absolutely furious about them stopping traffic. And yet, you know, you, your children you know, are looking at a, a really uncertain future yeah. and you're not that pissed off about that. Yeah, like which which of those things, if you had to pick one of those things to be really annoyed about, which would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have um, one final okay. song from you. And um, you've brought this funny little instrument yes. with you, um, which I see, I've seen you playing on, you know, when I was um, watching your YouTubes and all of that. Yeah. It's an adorable looking thing. How do I describe it? It's like, um, it's like a, it's about the size of half a coconut. Yeah. And it's a, like a little wooden box uh-huh. um, and shaped like half, you know, it's a hemisphere. like, uh-huh. And then <laughs> on the top, it has like... Um, how many? How many of those? There other seven on this. Seven sort of like um, half of tweezers. <laughs> like imagine yeah. seven half tweezers, <laughs> and they're like spread out like a claw, and you then use your thumbs to yeah. to, to pluck at them. Thumb piano. That's the anglicised name. It is. is that what it's actually called? A thumb well, piano. I think that's like the westernised name for it. So like they they originate. In Africa, there's different types of them, I think, now that originate in different parts. So I can't like they're they're called. I call this a kalimba. Sometimes they're called karimbas, umbiras. But I actually I bought this when I was like 15 and I was on holidays in Portugal and it was in like a basket in some random secondhand shop that sold loads. So I didn't go to Africa and get this. But that is where they originate. Now, like I am now so not uh, <clears throat> musical I don't play any instrument. so I mean it has a little hole like a guitar yeah. would in order to give you the, the resonance or whatever but how many of those seven I mean there's more than seven notes in the scale isn't there yeah. I mean? <laughs> like how this does that even like, begin to work this is a kind work? of a minor scale so it's only very okay. specific now you can get ones with way more notes on them okay. and if you look up you know, I'm sure if you go to um, like, um, it's M- so the M B I R A Mbira, I think is like the umbrella term. Um, you will find really skillful people. It's, it's very cute and attractive as an instrument because it just <laughs> yeah. sits in your hands very yeah. <laughs> gently and portably, and it just it looks nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> I used to say that if I was going to, you know, have learned an instrument, it would have been the mouth organ because it's so portable you can carry it around. But I'm beginning to mm-hmm. have feelings for one the Mira. There's a shop in um, on Georgia Street called Gandharva Loka. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and it sells. Actually, don't go in there because you'll want to buy the whole shop. No, do go in there. There's a shop on Georgia Street called Gandharva Loka, and it's. Yeah, it used to be in Temple Bar. They got a bigger premises on Georgia Street okay. and they sell lots of different types of these bigger ones and, and instruments from all over the world. Like you just go in and you want the whole shop, basically. It's great. Go there. Well, so <laughs> so tell us about the song you're going to do along with your Mbira. The song is called If I Had a Home to Go To and it's actually quite an old song. And I, your tendency is always to play new songs, but then it was... I was chatting to Helen, who one of the organisers of this beforehand, and she was saying she listened to it and she really liked it. And I thought, oh, yeah, there's probably going to be people who are listening to this who've never heard my music before. So I'll play something old as well. And of course, all the, vi- the videos of the performances will be available on YouTube later. So people can also have a look at that yes. little instrument. And it's funny because it like I can only really play two chords on this. It's like probably the simplest song I've ever written. It's got two chords and it's brought me the most places. <laughs> I think it's probably because <laughs> of the instrument, let's be honest. <laughs> so, okay. Uh. 
time to play today And now I am too tired If I had a home to go to I'd have been in bed by night I'd run towards the kitchen Having sung all day for coins I'd cook a hefty meal for two And we'd clear away your toys Oh, 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 oh. If I had a home to go to I would fill a room with flowers I'd tell them all my tales I'd lock the door and stay Um, so before we leave you alone, um, what's next for you, Sive? Well, I have a new album um, which is just finished and I'm going to be releasing that next year. So that's... Does it have a name yet? No. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I'm fine. Like everything is being finalized. It's it's like being mastered and the artwork is really finished and I just can't pick a name. I'm literally losing sleep over it at this point. <laughs> and will you be um, evolving Embrace Music? and? Yeah, so we are going to be actually doing some more work with the Irish Hospice Foundation over the winter. They've set up this lovely project all around the country um, called Compassion Culture. And it's basically a series of 12 weeks of kind of creative workshops using creativity to kind of explore loss. Um, so myself and Sharon are going to be doing a group in Nace, but we're both musicians, so obviously it will be a lot of music <laughs> in our approach. I shall look forward to hearing lots more from you, Sai. Um, thank you so much Thank you uh, for being here today. I can see, you know, why your voice and your music, you know, has such a positive impact on people. Um, thank it's you. been lovely and I, I, you've lifted me up. Oh, um, <laughs> so thanks for being here today and um, 
if you would like to see um, th those performances from side, you can find those um, on YouTube. Um, and if you go to pantasocracy.ie, pantasocracy.ie, you will find links to all of the previous episodes, uh, previous performances by a whole host of fabulous people. Um, and of course, we are available on all the usual podcast platforms. Um, that's all from us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zive. Thank you. It was lovely. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs>